This is It Was a Thing on TV. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the dregs of humanity. Episode 201, Submission 388, Charlie, the video game show part three, the final insult. Well, we've had so many video games in the past two installments of this edition. It's time to talk about some more TV video game adaptations. Some of which are bad, some of which were okay, and some of which merely existed. Yeah. So, who wants to go first? I think I'll go first. This one falls under the subheading of It Existed. In 2007, one of the uh, biggest, and for my money, one of the best comedies on broadcast television was, and I will fight people on this, The Office. And NBC, knowing a good thing when they see one, decided to team up with Mumbo Jumbo to create an office video game. What? Yeah, and here's the logline from Thunderpedia. It was developed by Mumbo Jumbo, published by NBC, and released on November 28, 2007. And it's a casual puzzle game in which you have to put yourself to the test as you dive into the hilarious environment by maneuvering through the quirky and frenzied fun of the office game. Play pranks on your rivals to slow them down, earn points by helping out your co-workers, and avoid getting distracted by the office visitors, all while competing to be the best Thunder Mifflin paper salesperson you can. We have everybody from the office in bobblehead form. We have season-by-season variations of the Scranton office, a little bit of trophies, I guess you could say, from the show, and, well, pranks. All I have to say is, if I wanted to play a video game about work in my off time, I would go back to work, if that makes any sense. Yeah. It makes sense? Sort of. Good, because I'm completely lost. Well, I mean, I, lo- I love The Office as much as the next guy, but who wants to make a video game out of it? Why would you want to make a video game out of The Office? To uh, get that dollar, son. I would rather, if you make a video game about The Office, have it be like an RPG involving Michael Scott. That would actually be pretty damn cool. Like, have it be in the style of a Telltale game, like a day in Michael Scott's life. I mean, like one of those things where you have to choose your own adventure, like Homescapes ads, instead of the actual, you know, game. Yeah. Homescape sads are ripoffs. Anyway. They're misleading. They suck. Yes, they do suck. And while I'm on my phone and talking about The Office, something I found out today was that they released a second Office game. What? Yeah, Leaf Mobile, which is based out of Canada, has released The Office Somehow We Manage. Uh, in association with Universal Games and Digital Platforms. It's 
free to play. It'll launch later this year, and it lets fans play through basically everything I just said. Only instead of bobbleheads, you get sort of uh, Bob's Burgers meets Archer caricature animations. Oh. Yeah, this really screams quality. Yeah, I have a statement here from Darcy Taylor, Chief Executive Officer of Leaf. The opportunity to bring the five-time primetime Emmy award-winning TV comedy series The Office to mobile in our trademark idol game style is an honor for us here at Leaf. We're looking forward to sharing this new experience in with everyone from new audiences to Thunder Mifflin diehards. My God, the corporate. It's like she didn't watch a single episode. She basically did a deep dive search on Wikipedia for anything involving The Office, threw together a game, threw together a press release about the game, and decided to call it a day. And then, profit? Something like, yeah, it makes sense. Underpants gnome style. Phase one, make a game. Phase two, question mark. Phase three, profit. Yeah. So that's The Office as a video game. Twice. And I'm sure the second one is not going to be good at all because it's a free-to-play game and that tells you all you need to know. Absolutely. As Chico shrugs his shoulders and gives some sort of fucking right face. (laughs) The wrong glass face. We don't use the fucking... Oh, the right. wrong glass face. Well, we, that's we what that is. call it the wrong glass face. All right, I'll go next. Okay. Hey, we just talked about an NBC show from the mid-2000s that was turned into a video game. How about we talk about another one? I think we've talked in the past about Deal or No Deal for the DS. The original version was broken so badly that uh, only two cases ever held the big money. So you had like a 50-50 shot at winning the money. Uh, and they did do a better version later on for the uh, the DS, but I'm not going to talk about Deal or No Deal proper today. Deal or No Deal had a, a spinoff of sorts called Deal or No Deal Secret Vault Games. Oh, for the PC. For the PC, yes. And the, the games are fun, don't get me wrong, but in terms of payouts or how much you could earn in different games, it really was sort of disjointed. So uh, there were uh, like 20 different uh, mini games in this game. And uh, you could play either just practice games just to see how you do, or you could uh, play tournaments of five, eight, or 13 randomly selected games. And if you uh, reach a certain amount of winnings, I believe it, it put you on like a high score list or something like that. Uh, but again, the games are sort of, are not bad, but they're sort of have uneven payouts. Just really quickly, what, uh, some of these games are, one is called Wheeler Dealer. Uh, you spin a wheel, which has both money amounts and a bust space on it, land on the bus space, you lose everything. Each round has uh, multiple sins and later rounds have more bus space and higher dollar amounts. Boy, that sounds original. Follow the leaders. You have a grid of arrows pointing every which way, and you, uh, you choose a series of arrows that uh, doesn't cross its own path. Every three moves, the arrows rotate to make it a little more difficult. Uh, once enough moves have been made, the round ends, and you can play on for more money, 
or if you screw up, you lose everything. Uh, strike a deal. In each round, the player starts with $1,000 and opens unmarked cases to either add money to his total or subtract money. You could have your money, double your money, or get a strike. If you ever get three strikes in any level, you're out. And just like everything, the longer the game goes, the more strikes there are, but also the higher the rewards are. I could go on with a whole bunch of these games. And they had a whole bunch of different ones. There was a Minesweeper light game where uh, you had to land on money and avoid banker squares. It's just a lot of, uh, of luck-based games, kind of somewhat interesting, but also sort of stupid at the same time. There's a card sharks type of game with case values. So, you know, oh, well, look, you got a $50 case. Is the next one going to be higher or lower? Oh, higher, of course. Oh, it's $25 you lose. And the thing is, for that game, that was really disjointed because if I remember correctly, and I haven't played this in years, you kept the money that was in each case. So if you got like the million and like the, then, okay, next one's going to be lower and 750000 you've got a million $750,000. Why would you go on? Well, you could go on it with that much because you know there's nothing, you know, the, the million's off the board, so it's the 750000 But it's like really stupid. I, uh, it's frustrating and and I, I don't want to evoke the, the good name of Ango Gablogian, but it is quite derivative. 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 So, yeah, the deal or no deal games for the DS. First one was bad and broken. Second one was better. It seems like the home games for deal or no deal, they just couldn't get it right. The only uh, home game I really appreciate to come out of Deal or No Deal was the Ideal Toy Electronic version. I'll talk about the tabletop one with all oh, the glow. That is epic. I love that. Oh, oh, they had a couple of games like that. They actually had, I think, at least two versions of the tabletop game. Uh, the, the one that you're talking about that was released like in 2006. But then they did another one. Around like 2007, 2008, when they had like the deal wheel, if you remember that, you, you know, spun it and then dropped a ball in it, and it could either have your money or double it or triple it. Mm -hmm. They did have a home version of that with your own little deal wheel. Oh. And you actually dropped uh, basically ball bearings down this spinning wheel. And it was another trust game. It didn't have sensors saying, oh, you landed in half or you landed in, uh, in double or triple. You actually had to be honest and say, oh, okay, I, I landed it in, in half. Ah. So, but they did actually do that. And those little ball bearings get lost very easily. So if you ever have that version, take good care of it. Yeah. All right, Greg, I think it's your turn. All right. Our next game is Nickelodeon Kart Racers. Now, this is a relative for a recent game. It was released in 2018 for the PS4, the Xbox One, and the Switch. It features a selection of 12 playable characters from various Nickelodeon IP, including SpongeBob SquarePants, Hey Arnold, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and Rugrats. It features 24 courses and 8 arenas based on different locations from the show, including in the game. Now, you have the 12 characters in the game. Now, they are from Hey Arnold, Arnold and Helga, 
from Rugrats, Tommy, Angelica, and Reptar. That's pretty awesome. You get to play as Reptar. I want to play as Reptar. I like it. Yeah. Halt! I am Reptar. Halt! I am Reptar. Halt! I am Reptar. From SpongeBob, you got SpongeBob, Patrick, and Sandy. And you have all four Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in Leonardo, Raphael, Michelangelo, and Donatello. Now, this is basically your standard Mario Kart clone. And it's not that good. It does not play real well. There's like literally like no voice acting in the game. Absolutely no voice acting in the game. You'd think like a video game that has Hey Arnold, Rugrats, SpongeBob, and Ninja Turtles, you'd have like voice acting lore in this game. No. Yeah, all the legends. All the legends would be um, voicing all the Nicktoon characters. But nope, no voice acting in this game whatsoever. Like when you get hit by like a power up, there's like something on the side, like. For example, for SpongeBob, when you get hit by something, by a power-up, it says, and I kid you not, Oh, Barnacles. Oh, Barnacles. Oh, Barnacles, indeed. <laughs> There's, like, different sayings for, like, every character that gets hit by, like, something in the game. Okay, do you want to see, like, the gameplay of this game? I think we have to, yes. Okay. Now, this is City That Never Sleeps. This is obviously inspired by Ninja Turtles. Because they're in mm-hmm. the sewers right here. Oh, there's Reptar. Look how big he is. Looks like Bowser from the back. Oh, yeah. Hell. Oh, boy. Look at this. I wonder what they're trying to emulate. Hmm. Uh, Mario Kart 7, I'm guessing. Well, I think you can pick your number on Mario Kart for trying to rip off. Except for Double Dash, strangely enough. Oh, the coins. Hmm. Wonder what that's ripping off. The, the coins okay. in the green boxes. No big yeah. deal for Arnold when you get hit by a power up. Oh, look at He has slime power up. So it's because Nickelodeon. Yeah, it's raiding slime. Did somebody just throw a Mauser at you? Yeah, someone just threw a Mauser. Actually, one part in this level that I like is I'm gonna right here real quick. Support. Look, you see right here. And this level, you see Shredder fighting with Splinter right here. Yes. That's pretty awesome. That is pretty cool. Sad Although I best... didn't think Splinter was that big. No. You try to find another level right here. Oh, Hillwood City of Lights. Inspired by Hey Arnold, obviously. Which is funny, because I thought Hey Arnold was took place in New York. I thought so, too. Look at 
Yeah, Helga's got like a big wheel on the back of her cart. Yeah. Bubbles. She has bubbles. But yeah, that's a... Uh, I think you kind of have an idea of what to expect with the gameplay of this game. This is for the kids whose parents say, we have Mario Kart at home. Yeah, basically. But one th cool thing I like about this game is it actually has, like, team play. So it's like you have, like, ten racers, and then there's a mode where there's, like, five teams of two players... And depending on where you finish, you get points in the team mode. Like, for example, if you finish, like, in the top two spots, you get yeah. 10 points for first place and nine points for second place. Or if you finish, like, in third place or fifth place, respectively, you get eight points for third place, six points for fifth place. It's pretty neat mode. I mean, I'm surprised that that's not in any of the Mario Kart games, if I recall. It might be in a Mario Kart game. I just... Don't mm. play Mario Kart enough to know. You're talking about that point scale? That point scale in team mode. Uh, yeah, they do that in uh, Mario Kart 8, where you have, say, teams of four, uh, two teams of four, that is, and you get, like, ten points for first place, eight for second, then, like, six, five, four, three, two, one, or something like that. Oh, yeah, okay. they, they do... That, they do that type of thing, yeah. Okay, I didn't realize they did that in Mario Kart 2. I think the last Mario Kart game I played regularly was probably Double Dash on the GameCube, so... Oh my gosh. Yeah. Mario Kart 8 here. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, because you know, you know I love my Switch, right? Oh, some of the cups in this game, you have the uh, the Cynthia Cup, obviously named after uh, Angelica's doll. Uh-huh. The Pineapple Cup. A reference to SpongeBob SquarePants. Obviously. But of course. And then you got the sewer cup. Gee, I wonder what that's a reference to. And you also got the crane cup. I wonder uh, what that's a reference to. Mm, I wonder what that's a reference to. Oh. So this game did not score very well. It received generally unfavorable reviews on all platforms, according to Metacritic. Nintendo Life gave the game a 3 out of 10, criticizing it for the roster size, which oddly consists of two to four characters from four different shows while locking characters from other Nickelodeon shows such as Fairly Odd Parents, Invader Zim, Jimmy Neutron, and Avatar The Last Airbender. They also criticized the game for the lack of voice acting. PlayStation Lifestyle gave the game a slightly higher score of 5.5 out of 10, stating that while it provides plenty of content and has smart references that integrate well with some very solid racing, the poor visuals and botched battle mode will leave plenty to be desired. If you accept the game for what it is, there's definitely some fun to be had, but its shortcomings are drawing enough to require some substantial blinders. Chris Way of Weckfect panned the PS4 version with a 2 out of 10, stating that with basic at best visuals, terrible audio design and quality, as well as just downright bland kart racing, this isn't the kart racer for you. But guys, would you believe that there was a sequel to this game released last year? No, oh, no. What? Yeah. I haven't played it. I got the uh, Xbox One version digitally um, last year or two years ago because it was on sale for Black Friday at $5.99. And to be honest, even for $5.99, I 
it was too much. This is a game that you could find like on the Best Buy bargain rack for like 20 bucks. And even that's too much. But mm. yeah, last year they released Nickelodeon Kart Racers 2 Grand Prix again for the PS4, Xbox One, and Switch on October 6th and on PC on Microsoft Windows on December 1st, 2020. This game features a large selection of characters on the roster, 29 playable characters from 12 different Nicktoons. So do you want me to read the roster? Yes. Okay. Sure. Okay, we got Aang from Avatar The Last Airbender, Cat Dog from Cat Dog, Danny Phantom from Danny Phantom, Arnold and Helga are back from Hey Arnold, with Gerald this time, Zim mm-hmm. and Gurr from Invader Zim. Oh, you're going to love this. Rocco and Heifer from Rocco's Modern Life. Oh, nice. Oh, great. You got Tommy, Angelica, and Reptar back with Chucky from Rugrats. From SpongeBob, you have SpongeBob, Patrick, and Sandy back with Squidward. You got the entire Ninja Turtles roster along with Shredder in this game. Cora from The Legend of Cora. Lincoln Loud, Lucy Loud, and Clyde McBride from The Loud House. Ren and Stimpy. That's something. I must say, I like that they included that in the second version because they have so many old characters in there. You talk about the Rugrats and Hey Arnold. There you go. I mean, honestly, when I think of early 90s Nickelodeon cartoons, I think of Ren and Stimpy, but I was just at that age, unlike some folks in this conversation. Okay, guys, there's also a... Guys, would you not believe... You're not going to believe who's also in this game. Okay, you're sitting down for this. I am. For some reason, JoJo Siwa is in the game. Oh, I know why JoJo Siwa is in the game. Because she's on Nickelodeon. Oh, yeah. Because of course she is. Jojo, that's why right, it's me, Jojo Siwa, here to teach you how to take top. <laughs> uh, but this game actually did score better than the previous game. According to Metacritic, actually the Nintendo Switch version on average scored a 72 out of 100. And Nintendo Life gave the sequel a 7 out of 10. So, I haven't played the second game, so... I mean, but it is better received than the first game, so that must account for something, considering they got a larger roster this time. That's got to account for something, indeed. Oh, by the way, did you know that there's also a Nickelodeon version of Smash that's coming out soon? I figured there would be. Yeah, I wonder how that's going to play out. I wonder, indeed. Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl is the game. It's actually coming out on October 5th. So, there you go. That might be one to pick up for your game flies, kids. Seems like something for Game Pass. It's coming out on PS4, PS5, Switch, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and Microsoft Windows. So, Alright, so do we have another game? Yeah, I have another game. And it is basically, it fills in two gaps. That is the gap for a Street Fighter 2 clone and a gap for a superhero TV show that is made by the same people that made Power Rangers, 
but is not Power Rangers. This is BR Troopers for the Sega Genesis. Oh, I remember playing this on Sega Channel back in the day. Yeah. Well, I'm going to give you guys the link. And basically, it's a story-driven fighter in which you have to fight your way through all of the big bads until you ultimately reach Grimlord. So it's like everybody who made this game basically went through character sides and decided to make a game based off of it with nothing tied to the uh, TV show at all. Only, you know, the occasional... Oh, this is a fighting game. Yeah, it's a fighting game. This is like the Power Rangers game on Genesis. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's like you choose one of the three BR troopers, Ryan, Caitlin, or JB. Oh, look, they got the dog from VR troopers. And the, the dog is the precursor to the battle grid levels, which aren't really anything. Oh, they don't even use the Battle Grid suits, which were basically uh, re-remodded Power Rangers suits, if you've ever seen the TV show. So yeah, it's just a bland, bland, super bland fighting game. Oh yeah, looks like ass. I also love these stupid little, like, boxes. These character about... sprites. These character sprites are They just... look enough like the characters on TV that you know who they are. Yeah. But they're so obviously not the people you see on TV. No. Dark Horse Shield can deflect your attack trooper. Be prepared in case he uses it against you. Okay. Thank you. Help. Good advice, sir. Thanks, Professor Hart. And the plot of this game is basically the troopers are trapped inside of a video game and they have to come find their way back to our reality. Which makes no sense if you've ever seen the TV show because they've established what we know as VR in universe as just an alternate dimension where everything is wooded rocks. All right, I want to skip to the ending of this game, okay? Congratulations. Thanks to the heroic actions of the VR troopers, the reality barrier has remained intact. By overcoming Grimwart and his evil cohorts, our reality has been saved. J.B., Ryan, Caitlin, Professor Hart, and of course Jeb would like to thank you for helping them in their mission. The world is safe from Grim Ward's tyranny. For now. Dot, 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 dot. And then game credits. The only thing that was missing was the ending from Ghostbusters on the NES saying, you have played a great game. Now go and rest our heroes. Yeah. I have a line from a review from Next Generation. Oh, Next Generation. I love Next Generation. Yeah, here's what they have to say about VR Troopers. It was one out of five. This game is exceptionally generic with some real simplistic fighting. Good for kids, though. And nothing that makes it worth owning unless you're a huge fan of the show. And if you're a huge fan of the show, it's probably because your mom looked at all-star kart racers and said we have Mario Kart at home. Let's be honest. Because again, VR Troopers was uh, 
not that good of a show, especially considering uh, who created it. Hey, it was all about the dog on that show. It was, in fact, all about the dog on that show. That's the only reason I watched it was for the dog. Yeah, and if you wanted to play VR Troopers but didn't have a Genesis, that's okay because there was a Game Gear version as well. Of course it had a Game Gear version. And it played exactly the same. Cool. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. There's two reasons for uh, watching VR Troopers. The dog and Caitlin. Those were the only two reasons I watched VR Troopers. Yeah. By the way, the actress Sarah Brown went on to uh, star on many uh, soap operas and at least one episode of Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader. Oh, wow. Brad Hawkins. Which version of Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Uh, Jeff Foxworthy's second season. Okay. Not the version that's hosted by an invisible man. Right. The other two, no idea what happened to them. Okay, Mike, second game. All right, I'm calling an audible. I, I, I forgot I wanted to cover this game. Well, that's fine. Okay. All right, I'm going to go next. And actually, the game I chose, believe it or not, I wouldn't be surprised if this game was the earliest television adaptation into a video game. We're going way back. We're going way back to 1983 for the game MASH for the Atari 2600. Oh, Oh, MASH for the 2600. Right. And since it's an Atari game, it's not going to be terribly immersive. But the thing is, given they only had 4K of memory to work with, they got quite a bit done, I think. So I'm going to read this directly from the manual of the game. So the objective of the game is you are Hawkeye Pierce. We all know who Hawkeye Pierce is. I know who Hawkeye uh, Pierce is. Chief Medical Surgeon of the 4077th. Your responsibilities include rescuing injured men from the battlefield, performing surgery in the operating room, or in an alternative game, picking up Colonel Potter's skydiving medics. Your pilot... <laughs> what? <laughs> Colonel Potter's skydiving medics? I'm I'm sorry? <laughs> Colonel Potter's skydiving medics. Excuse me? (laughs) Am I stuttering? Colonel Potter's skydiving medics. You pilot your chopper low through the trees, avoiding shells fired at you from a North Korean tank. After picking up the medics, they're wounded uh, and rushing them back to the hospital. The pressure really starts to get heavy. Time is running out for the injured men and you must operate. You have to work fast. You are competing with your fellow surgeons B.J. Honeycutt, Trapper John McIntyre, or Frank Burns. One of those at a time. So you're going against one. But the thing is, you never really see how the other person's doing. I have this game. I haven't played it in some time. But you don't – first off, I don't think you know who you're playing. They don't say, hey, you're going up against Frank Burns in the OR. They just put you in there and you start doing the surgery part of the game. So uh, the game itself, so as it mentioned, part of the game is rescuing people on the battlefield while avoiding North Korean tanks. I mean, they specifically even said North Korean tanks in here. And yeah, you're picking up uh, people almost like if you guys remember the game from back in the early 80s, Choplifter. Oh, yeah, I remember that game. 
I'm thinking it's a little chop lifter-ish, but the, the tanks only shoot vertically. They don't shoot uh, diagonally. So it, it's not all that difficult, to be honest. And then after you get a certain number of patients back to the uh, 4077th, then you go into surgery mode and they give you pliers or, or some sort of medical device for pulling out shrapnel or, or what have you. Not, not necessarily pliers, that's more hardware than, than hospital uh, gear. But what you're, uh, the idea is, is you have like the, the different vessels and pathways in the body. Think essentially like operation where you want to grab it and then carefully take it out, but make it like Atari 2600 style. So you're pulling it out and then you got to make sure with your joystick, you don't touch the sides like operation. Uh, Otherwise the operation is over, but also the game proudly declares if you screw up, it declares you're a ferret face. And it actually shows the words ferret face on the screen when you screw up. Huh? I think it's kind of funny. I'm not big into mash, but uh, just if you screw up even the least little bit, ferret face, and then you go back and you, you do the, um, the the rescue part all over again. And there's actually a goal to this. It's to get 999 points. Uh, it doesn't say how quickly you get those 999 points. It's not a, uh, a long game, but also at the same time, uh, it doesn't take, you know, like 10 rounds. From what I remember from the times I played it, it was like maybe three, four, five rounds of the surgery and and then the rescuing uh, players uh, in order to get to that uh, 999 point threshold because they probably didn't have enough memory to build in a thousand of the game. So they had to say 990 or else there's going to be a kill screen. That's technology 40 years ago for you or almost 40 years. Well, no, actually it's over 40 years ago because the Atari 2600 came out in 78 even though the game came out in 83. I just thought that was something worth mentioning because, again, as far as I can tell, I think this is the first TV video game adaptation ever. I I really can't think of anything before that. I'm sure there's something, but I can't think of anything from before 1983. You didn't have any sort of Happy Days game. Obviously, you didn't have like a, a Three's Company game. Uh, oh, the Three's like, Company game. Could you imagine the mini game of trying to escape Mr. Furley? Oh, I was hoping the mini game would be something involving Larry. Oh, boy. Yeah, Larry and Jack Tripper picking up uh, girls or something like that. I mean, maybe Jack Tripper dashing through the Regal Beagle trying to uh, to put out a fire or something. I'd play that game. You'd probably enjoy it. I I probably really would, yes. I would love a Tory, Mr. Furley. Yeah, and actually I should add that it may uh, be the first TV adaptation of a video game. There were movie adaptations before that. Actually, the same company, uh, 20th Century Fox, who did video games back then, they did release a Porky's video game. Another personal favorite. That one's a fun little game. But also they did release... A video game based on the movie Alien. Yeah, it's basically a Pac-Man ripoff. It's a Pac-Man clone, exactly. Yeah. But uh, just uh, there is some precedent in media uh, having uh, video game 
releases before MASH. I'm sorry, one more thing I wanted to add. And also, uh, again, doing the occasional research for the show, uh, I came across something from the 1983 Winter Consumer Electronics Show. So that must have been a thing back in 1983, sort of like what they do in uh, in Vegas every year with CES or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the winter version was in Chicago, right? Uh, so I found a, a part of an article here about Jamie Farr just showing up at the show. Oh, in winter of 1983 in civvies, what wasn't wearing a clinger outfit or uniform. And what was uh, mentioned there was MASH, the game was not only being released for the Atari 2600, but it was announced that it was going to be going on Atari computers, the VIC-20, the TI-99, Intellivision, and ColecoVision. What? Unfortunately, the only one that uh, was ever made was the 2600 version. Oh, Oh, I'd love to see what a VIC-20 or a TI-99 version of that looks like. It had to be so, so bad. Just absolutely horrible characters and and sprites and all that. I bet you the ColecoVision version would have been awesome. Yeah, just like all ColecoVision games, generally it was a lot better than your uh, Atari 2600. So yeah, I think a, a ColecoVision game would have been like amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, because the ColecoVision graphics compared to Atari uh, blew it out of the water. Especially if you got the oh, yeah. Atari 2600 adapter for ColecoVision. Why would you need an Atari? Yeah, and I have a ColecoVision at home with the Atari 2600 adapter. Uh, I've had it for 10 years, and I just can't get that Atari 2600 adapter to work. Oh. Well, it's 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 30-some years old, almost 40 years old. I'm not surprised the technology doesn't work, but yeah. Uh, it, It was iffy. Even like, again, 10 years ago when I first got it, 11 years ago, it still didn't work, so maybe there was a, a very short shelf life on it, or maybe I need to go in and clean the connectors or something. Yeah, Polly, maybe you can send it. I'm sure there's somewhere out there on the internets that can repair it or something. Oh, I'm sure, and and you, even if uh, I can't get it to work, maybe if I sell it, somebody will be like, hey, I do need that for my ColecoVision collection. Who knows? But yeah, that's MASH. We actually had a, a TV video game almost 40 years ago. All right. Interesting. Okay, so my next game is going to be Doctor Who Dalek Attack for MS-DOS, the ZX Spectrum, the Commodore 64, the Amiga, and the Atari ST. Now, of course, obviously, this is based on Doctor Who. Now, in this game, the player controls the Doctor and fights recurring adversaries, the Daleks, and other enemies. In most versions of the game, the player can choose between playing as either the 4th, 5th, or 7th Doctor. In the MS-DOS and Amiga versions, the player can play as either the 2nd, 4th, or 7th Doctor. In the ZX Spectrum version, only the 7th Doctor is available. And a second player may play as the Doctor's companion, either Ace or Unit Soldier. Although in the Spectrum version, only Ace is available. And you also have appearances from characters such as K9 and Davros, the creator of the Daleks, who's the final boss of the game. Now, the Doctor goes and fights the Daleks in various cities in the game, like London, Paris, New York, Tokyo. And on the final level, uh, you play in uh, Skoro, the home planet of the Daleks. Now, I'll show you the gameplay right here. 
Look at that. You have you have the animated version of the Doctor Who opening from like 87, 89. You have uh, Sylvester McCoy winking at you. Although that's not the 87 logo. That's the 70s logo. Yeah. Diamond. This is only my beginning. Oh. Oh, no. Oh, this is highly cutting edge stuff for the Amiga. Well, it is the Amiga. Yeah, these are great Amiga graphics. All right. The, oh, the Earth Year 2254, the planet Scar Davros, in the presence of the Emperor Dalek, addresses his battle command. Oh. Over the past 100 years, we have witnessed the human race advance their scientific knowledge to the point of becoming a threat. It is time for this problem to be rectified. The invasion begins. Exterminate! Exterminate! We must destroy the pods and reverse the bees before Davros turns the Earth into a Dalek production planet. Davros is a Dalek production planet. Oh, I didn't even notice. If you look right there, they got the Brigadier. Well. Oh, look at that. You got the, the Doctor hovering in this... Uh, Levitating in the guess whatever you call this, the uh It looks like a sewer. Like a sewer, yeah. but he, he's levitating on I guess one of those on the things, city that never sleeps. One of those things the Daleks use. I guess he stole it and is now using it to like beam his the Daleks rays to save all the soldiers. You know it's uh, a Dalek region because it's equipped with a laser beam. Look at that, you got... He's collecting Doctor Who logos for some reason. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, look Look at all the product placements. <laughs> you have... I love to get a cola at McDo's. McDo's. Hey, 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 Chico, I want to take a picture of you. Let me get my code camera. Hey, can you get a picture with a can of Fost beer? Fost beer. That's Australian for burr. And I love the Easter egg That's they put. That's Australian for I'm too drunk to spell. I love the Easter egg they put here in Totter Lane. Because for those who don't know, that was where the Doctor and Susan had the tortoise in the junkyard in the first episode of this yeah, series. Yeah, I remember seeing an unearthly child. Thank you very much. All right. Well, some people might not know. All right, they're at the London Underground. I'm surprised they didn't include a Yeti here in this stage as a reference to the Web of Fear, but whatever. Uh, and the Yeti! You have the Doctor shooting at these, uh, I guess, not Klingon creatures. He's climbing like this thing right here. Okay, let me go to Paris real quick. I think there's like some Easter egg right here. Oh, he's in a secret room. Ooh. Call me crazy, but I think I saw like an ad for Euro Disney. Yeah, there was an ad for Euro Disney. Nice to know that's still a thing in 2254. Well, I think didn't Euro 92, Euro Disney would have just launched, so. Yeah, I thought Euro Disney launched like 89 ish. 
Well, it was definitely the early 90s. All right, so I'm skipping ahead to the final stage right here on Skoro. Okay, we're here. We're at the final battle with Davros. Are you ready for the big final battle, guys? I'm ready for the big final battle. Here we go. Bring it on. All right, he's, gonna, he's climbing. Oh, there he is. It's a bot. Wait. What? That's it? What? We have forwarded your evil plan. The Time Wars will ensure you never threaten the universe again. And then... Uh, here's the thing. That's obviously Sylvester McCoy. Yeah. But you are playing as Tom Baker. Well, you can choose between the fourth and seventh Doctors in this game. Okay. As I said earlier. I think you can even play as the second Doctor in the Amiga version, as I mentioned. Frozen in time and space? Forever? And I guess he's... I guess Davros is now in this space ice cube, which is like the version of the Phantom Zone or whatever. From Super yeah, because if Avenue 5 has taught me anything, people freeze in space. Oh, yeah. So I guess Davros is to die freezing to death in space. Yeah. Oh, but look at the Hall of Fame right here. You I have Claude, Sylvester, Colin, Peter, Tom, John, Patrick, William, Ace, Tegan, Sarah, Richard Turner, Nick Kimberly, Jason. Yeah, I think it's just like, oh, here's a funny joke. The high scores are all the doctors and his companions. Wait, wait. Did you even notice something else about the scores? What is it? The scores, the high scores are 10 times the year those doctors debuted on oh, Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, that, that's, what, a, that's double that. the deep there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. William Hartnell, 1963. Pat Troughton, 66. John Pertley, 70. Tom Baker, 74. Peter Davison, 81. Colin Baker, 84. Sylvester McCoy, 87. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like the limitation of my Doctor Who knowledge. I looked at those scores. It's like Sylvester McCoy started in 87. And Colin Baker started in 84. Oh my gosh, those scores are 10 times the year they debuted. How cool is that for a little Easter egg? That yeah, is cool. That is awesome. Okay, so fun fact this was actually Dalek Attack, the last game ever commercially released on the ZX Spectrum in 1993. Really? This was the final game ever released on the ZX Spectrum. And actually, the Spectrum version. According to Truth by Consensus Wikipedia, had the Doctor on foot running around collecting hostages and avoiding globes. Okay. Don't ask why. Other versions of the game featured special Daleks, such as hovering Daleks from the TV Century 21 comic strips of the 1960s. 1960s movie Daleks also made an appearance, as well as the special weapons Dalek from Remembrance of the Daleks. Another special Dalek also featured based on a sketch in an article from the Doctor Who magazine 10th anniversary special showing how a Dalek might look when the television series came back. The game was also re-released in a three-pack called the Sci-Fi Collection with two other titles, one called Galactic Warrior Rats and the other, you're not going to believe this, guys. The other game released in this three-pack was... The Suburban Commando video game. What? Now you're just lying to me. No, I'm not kidding. There was a Suburban Commando video game. 
Maybe the, the game features a stage where you freeze Christopher Lloyd. Because he was frozen today. I was frozen today! Well. Oh, but yeah. This was also released in 1994-95, same as the original, except for a purple and black border added to the front and back covers. But yeah, this game is just... I don't even know where to begin with this. Just that boss battle at the end. I mean, you think, oh, we're going to have an epic boss battle between the Doctor and Davros. No. Davros is going to be bigger than your imagination. Nope. No, you just hit him with a couple bombs. That's it. Game over. It's... Yeah. Bad. Well, at least we can go to McDoss and have some french fries after we're done at Euro Disney. Yeah. <laughs> and we can down it with a cola. And Faust beer. Yeah. And uh, we can take uh, pictures of all the memories we had using our Kodak camera. Kodak camera. Kodak. K-O-D-K. Kodak. Kodak? Kodak. Kodak. Maybe it's like Kodak. Kodak film. All right, who's next? I got it. So, the Nintendo Wii, when it came out, was pretty revolutionary stuff. You basically have your Nintendo system... And a remote that doubles as a controller. Or is it a controller that doubles as a remote? But in any event, you can now point at your TV set and control the action. Sort of like a point-and-click thing. Well, it doesn't get any pointy-clicky than a game from our good friends at Ludia and Ubisoft. We all know about their... uh, game show video games. They have what? Hollywood Squares, Press Your Luck, The Price is Right, Family Feud. But you don't know about this one. Welcome to Hell's Kitchen. What? Yep. You play a chef who's trying to impress the Grandmaster himself, Gordon Ramsay, who does appear in this game via a CG AI with his voice sounding flatter than a pancake. Oh my god, that is not good. That looks worse than the work he had done. Yes, we're talking about uh, Gordon Ramsay. If you go long enough, you start competing against a computerized AI. And also, the dishes get more complex, and the uh, the dishes get more complex. The customers become a little, little bit harder to deal with, and uh, Gordon Ramsay's language gets a little more saucy. Okay, so basically, this is a branded version of Cooking Mama. Yes. There's even uh, collectible recipes in the game. Which, oh. if you're a cook, I guess is pretty good. But aside from that, it's like, the only person who would uh, really dig this game is a fan of Gordon Ramsay. 
yeah, I'm just watching this as, as Greg is speeding through this. And, and this, like, really reeks of just, like, repetitive cooking mama-ish type of stuff. It is very repetitive. Absolutely spot on. See, Gordon Ramsay even agrees with you, Mike. Absolutely spot on. And I'm going to throw out another name uh, of a game that I was going to mention, but it's very similar to Hell's Kitchen. Uh, mm -hmm. Iron Chef America had a DS game. Gosh, it must be about 10, 12 years ago, 15 years ago. Well, it wasn't 15 years ago. It was about 10, 12 years ago at this point. And that basically was also another branded version of Cooking Mama. Yep. Cooking Mama's a fun game. The first couple of Cooking Mamas were good. It got a little tenuous after that. Tenuous and repetitive. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad. Okay. Move your. Oh, Gordon. <laughs> See what I mean? This is mixed messages. He's telling me it's not bad, and he's telling me to move my ass. Yeah. What are you trying to send to me, Gordon? I'm getting mixed messages here. I'm getting mixed messages. So do you get anything if you win the game? I don't know. I haven't played that far ahead yet. <laughs> I bet it'll be uh, I'm guessing this is on par with uh, the underwhelming Davros boss battle. I don't know. Or you get an ending like the VR Troopers ending. Which was basically the Ghostbusters ending. For the NES. What do you say? Gordon? Oh, there's the... another one. Move your... Move your ass. I'm doing the best I can, Chef! Gordon, we're doing the best we can, sir. Hang up your jacket, Chico. You have failed. Gordon Ramsay says that was excellent. Oh god, I've had enough of this game. Yeah. It, it looks very redundant, to say the it least. It is very redundant, and uh, it, it got a C- minus from Series Eats. Games Radar gave it a 2.5, and, and Metacritic gave it a 5. So, there. There you go. Mike? We've been on a bit of a run of British TV show games uh, recently. We've talked about uh, Hell's Kitchen. We talked about Doctor Who. I'm going to go back overseas, and I think we're going to talk about the newest game. I don't think there's anything that we've talked about which is newer than this. We're going to talk about Bullseye for the Switch. Yeah, we haven't had a Switch game. Uh, actually, the game that Greg talked about with the uh, Nickelodeon Racers, uh, it looks like that is available on that Switch. That is on the Switch, yes. Yeah. So this game, this was actually just released about three months ago, believe it or not. This, this was released, I believe, in June. So it's not that old. Uh, I bought it on the day it was released because I apparently hate money. It, it was $13, not terribly expensive. I'm, I spend more money on worse things than, than uh, Switch games, which are horribly created, badly, uh, bad shovelware type of stuff. 
And uh, this game really, I, I anticipated a lot. It had decent graphics. I mean, you had Bully in there. I think that's an added bonus. You had Bully. Uh, you had what sounded like one of the themes to Bullseye. You had the voiceover from what sounded like one of the guys from Bullseye. Uh, I think one of them has passed on because Bullseye goes back to the 80s. But it may have been the announcer from the uh, revival back in the 2000s. No, it was an okay game. There were just uh, a few problems. Number one, you can't choose your name. Uh, you actually have to use player one, player two, player three, player four. Uh, and uh, Greg and Chico can see my background. It says that in the upper right-hand corner. You can't change your name, which is ridiculously stupid. Second, and I think this might be the epitome of cheapness, is I played three games. In game number three, I started having repeat questions. That's not good. I don't know if it's the randomizer is bad or the question selection is bad, but that, that's not a good look when you've had the game for a total of half an hour and you're finding repeat questions. The third thing is after a while, after three games, I literally broke bullseye. They, they tell you how to shoot the darts. Uh, it's just... Uh, controlling with the uh, joystick, the little nub or whatever you want to call it for the, uh, uh, on the controller for the switch. And basically you're sort of almost like lining up coordinates, kind of sort of, you know, you put it in the right position and then give it the right amount of strength and you can hit a bullseye every time. And again, looking at the background behind me, I believe that was 12 bullseyes in a row I got in the first round. And things, they only give you, I think, uh, six turns. But the thing is, you get an extra turn if you uh, hit a bullseye. So I went 12 for 12 hitting the bullseye in this first round, which got me 1,200 points. That tells me it's also deeply flawed and broken if uh, a dullard like me can figure out how to break the game within basically half an hour. Ah, I see. But also, just the game itself is vastly different than what was on tv the, the first round is very similar but again uh unless you're a good dart thrower in real life you're going to have some randomness on the tv show but this one like i said if you just found the right coordinate and found the right sweet spot clicking the the, the a button to throw the dart you'll get a bullseye every time kind of ruins a, a lot of the fun of the game when you're just like automatically hitting the, the, the bullseye. And then the, the second round is a little bit different from the TV show. Not a big fan of that. And then they actually give you a, a final round, sort of like the TV show where uh, you have to hit like a target score of 101 or 100. And if you do, you win the big star prize, but they don't tell you what the star prize is. And also it doesn't keep high scores uh yeah it's it's not good very bad oh. uh w would not recommend uh but yeah i i spend the money so you guys don't have to yeah just imagine that the graphics would more than make up for it yes no maybe i think it's nice they included bully on there uh obviously it's licensed in some way if you got bully uh in there but it, it, Maybe it's the best they could have done under the circumstances. Maybe it's the best they could have done at a $13 US or 
I'm going to guess 10 pound price point. Uh, yeah, it, it's cheap. I, I wasn't expecting something over the top, but I wasn't expecting it, something like this in America. Uh, it's available on the uh, Switch uh, shop in America. So your guess is as good as mine. Hmm. But yeah, it's it's not good. Okay, Greg. Okay, my last game is. Oh, this is not a good one. It's WCW NWO Thunder for the PS One from THQ, released in early 1999. So yeah, this is the sequel to WCW Nitro and. Uh, the gameplay is not good. The wrestling in it is terrible. It's not good. But there is like one redeemable thing that makes this game so bad it's good. When you go to the wrestler select screen, you press the circle button and every wrestler cuts like this little FMV promo. <laughs> and this is like the only like great part of the game. So do you want to see this? I think we got to see the promos, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's see the promos. Oh, here we go. You know, I tricked you before. I'm going to trick you again. But this time, the torture is going to last longer on a Hollywood walk of shame. Oh, this is going to be a lot of torture, Hulk. So you want to step in the ring with the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Yeah, Brad, I do want to step in the ring with you. Technical wrestler in the history of the WCW. Oh. This is the Stinger, and I'm in the mood for handing out more than just one Stinger death drop. Sting face. I'm not sure who they call me a total package. You know why? These are like the most basic promos. Like, like, okay, guys, you have like 15 seconds. Like, cut something. You really think you want some? Come and get some this time. I got something to fit you. Hey, it's the big show. Oh, it's DDP. Listen, if you ain't all jacked up, then hit the bricks and pick some other loser. But if you are jacked and you are ready to let someone feel the bang, pick me. It's not like there's a choice anyway. Yeah. Much like playing this game, Dallas. Pick somebody else. Do whatever you want. Leave me alone. Quote the Raven. Nevermore. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. What are you looking at? Are you gonna pick me or not? Because we all know I can wrestle rings around the competition. Get it? Because his name's Saturn. You're a true Jericho holic, and you pick me. I promise you'll never. Gee, I wonder what the dark side. Can you imagine Chris Jericho narrating a dark side of the ring about this game? You step around with me. You find out the man with the largest arms in the world does whatever he wants. Oh, I wish Scott Steiner was cutting a math promo. You have a 55. Third, three fourths percent chance of beating me in this game. Pick me, because when I get in the ring, I'm gonna bite, kick, and scratch, and nobody gets up from the pool's arm. Oh, here comes Macho Man. Oh, yeah, I'm the Macho Man Randy Savage. Don't make a big mistake. Get with the madness. That's what you want to do. Oh, yeah. Oh, Mr. Perfect. Can't be any doubt in anybody's hey, Chico. Mind the He's the guy that took Brock Lesnar at 35,000 feet. Because I'm Kurt Hennig. Oh, God. And nobody beats Kurt Hennig. <laughs> nobody. You selected Scott Hall. Big trouble for you. 
Oh. I'm gonna rough you up, you little punk. I'm gonna rub your face in the mouth. Oh no, no, Scott, time, I don't want that. Boom. Oh, here's the best part. Here's Kevin Nash. Are you ready? This is the best part. This is the best one. <laughs> this is the best one. Hands hey, down. Wait a second. I know what you're thinking. You want to be me like everybody else. Forget about it. You don't have the mental skills or the dexterity. Go on. Go pick somebody else. Pick Hogan or some. Don't pick me. Move. Go. Go. <laughs> <laughs> and that is vintage Kevin Nash. Just, yeah, don't pick me. Just pick somebody else. Oh, hold on, though, because I got... Here comes Rowdy Piper's promo. Are you ready for this? Pick me! What's wrong with you? I heard Nash. Nash said don't pick me. Fine, because I can smash Nash. Pick Hogan? Put him to sleep three times. Pick me. You know why? Because everybody's got to pay the pipe. I love that they. I love that clearly Piper like, was hearing Kevin Nash's promo from earlier in the day in the shoot and thought, "Ah, oh, I'm going to reference this in my promo." He is the maniac, after all. Oh he yeah, is, he is the maniac. He is the oh maniac. Oh, just yeah. I got this game for ninety nine cents like fifteen years ago. And you overpaid. I overpaid, but it was worth it just for hearing all those FMV promos. And this was actually, I believe, the last WCW game produced by THQ because THQ would get the WWF license in 99. They would go on to produce some great games like WrestleMania 2000 and No Mercy for N64 and the SmackDown games on PS1. And then WCW went to EA, and they had a game called Backstage Assault, which was a wrestling game that had no ring. A wrestling game with no ring. With no ring. And this was like the last WCW game in 2000, which makes sense because this was when Vince Russo was in at WCW, so he's probably like, bro, we need to make a wrestling game with no ring this is gonna blow everybody's mind a wrestling game with no ring yeah that worked out well well those are our games and boy did we pick a series of winners didn't we yeah yeah we could have done more though there, there's games that i was thinking about talking about but passed on but we're sort of uh Running dry in this well. We, we've done this you would now. Think th- so. Well, we've done this now three times, and we've probably covered between about 27 and maybe 30, 35 games. And yeah, there's definitely more titles, but I, I think we've covered a lot of the, the really mediocre games, to say the least. You would think so. Oh, I'm sure there's more, but what else are we okay. going to add? Hmm. The Honeymooners PC game from 1987? No. No. No, no, no I'm just saying. No, it, 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 it's no. Just no. VIP was starring Pamela Anderson? Oh, gosh, no. I looked at the uh, YouTube footage of that, and that's why I dropped that idea at the last second. American Ninja Warrior Challenge? No. Mm, no. Well, guys, what do all these games have in common? In all three episodes. They were all things 
that were based on things on TV. Yeah. So that's it for this episode. And of course, as always, you can go to it was a thing on TV.com where you can listen to the 200 episodes previous to this one. And also we got some remastered series stuff going up right now. We just released, I think last week, Charles Styles mystery diners. Yes, we did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now we're on to the last three episodes of this series. This Wednesday coming up, we got First Night 2013. Ooh, no. Jamie as Jamie w- With an actual brawl happening as the credits rolled. Oh, yes. It was great. Oh, that was wonderful. It was something. Yeah. Yep. I think we need a break. I think we need a commercial break. I think we need another commercial break. Oh, yeah. Our most popular episode is getting a sequel. Hometown Commercials Volume 2. So, that's coming up on Thursday, right here on It Was a Thing on TV. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Wow! Hey man, here's Alex Wright, the German. If you want to know what the Germans are about, pick me and you're going to have a hell of a victory. I promise. That was disturbing. <laughs>